Today we are looking at a series of miracles that we see Jesus perform in Mark chapter 5. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there or you can see the scripture on the screen. And we're going to look at the verses uh, that are listed here, 21 through 43. And Amy, uh, she gave in the children's sermon, she talked about Jairus and the, the young girl, but we're actually going to look at the previous miracle as well and the significance and why the gospel writer puts these two right next to each other. And so let's look at the text. It's Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 42. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so he can, she can live. Jesus went with them, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with, a constant, ble with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel the, in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How do you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the, Rome of Jer the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was laying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kaun, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's so many things in this passage to look at. You've, we've all heard the story of the woman who reached out and just grabbed the hem of, of Jesus' garment and was instantly healed from this condition. But there's some historical things here, there's some cultural things here that will give you a whole lot more meaning to this passage, and we're going to talk about that. But first, what I want you to notice is that Jesus tells Jairus, have faith. And he tells the woman, because of your faith. 
We see these miracles are happening either because of faith or to invoke deeper faith. That's what Jesus wants. He wants the people to see these miracles, not to have it be some amazement and say, look at what he's able to do, but instead his miracles would directly point to who he is and who his father is. You see, by performing these miracles, what he's doing is he's pointing, yes, even the Jewish leaders to the Father. This is what faith is supposed to look like. You're leaders of this faith, but yet you have little. Isn't it interesting that he tells Jairus, who is a leader of a synagogue, a rabbi, have faith. Have faith that I can do, and not just me, but my Father through me can do. We're in this with you. You're okay. And so what I want you to remember from this message and from this passage is first, faith is for the journey. We are all on a journey and faith is for the journey. It's not for the moments of crisis in our life alone. It's for us to carry throughout the good and the hard times. Faith sometimes though is that that thing that we need in those moments of need, right? It's that one thing we pray for and, and all of a sudden we are trying to, to get it when we need it. I've shared this illustration before, but whenever you are asking God for faith, I want to believe, I want to have confidence that I can get through this difficult situation, whatever the situation is, we have a tendency to only ask for it then. It's sort of like you having a phone, a brand new phone, and you never cut it on, and the only reason you bought the phone is for emergencies. That, that this is how you'll call 911. Everybody's been telling you you need to get the latest, greatest iPhone, but, but you don't want it. You just want it for emergencies. Well, the emergency happens, and you've never even turned the phone on, and you can't figure out, and then you've got to go through the facial recognition process, and then it's one your Apple ID and password, and you can't remember what your Google password is, and so you've got to, and all the while, you're needing 911. You see, we've got to learn how to use the phone before it's an emergency. We've got to know how to power it up. We've got to know how to use what God has given us so that we can have what we need, the power of God, the presence of God that he offers us in life. And we can't expect it to magically come and prop us up in the most difficult moments in our life if we haven't ever used it before. We must see what God is offering us. Faith is for the journey during the good times and the bad. The journey, I love that psalmist writes in Psalm 23, you, you've got lush and green grass in the field. You've got the cool and still waters. You've got the banquet on the other side, but what do you have to go through? The valley. Faith is for the journey. It's for the green grass and the still waters, but it's also for the valley. How are we preparing? Because all of us are going to go through a valley. We are not immune. God doesn't say, and I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of preachers that will say, if you just believe, your life will be better. If you just have faith, your finances are going to be better. If you have faith, you're not going to get sick and get cancer. If you have faith, your teenage daughter is going to marry the right person, right? If you have faith, you're not going to have problems in your life. There are people who preach that. I've heard them preach it. 
And then when something goes wrong, what they usually say is, well, I don't know what God's doing in this. And they don't know what to do. I can't tell you how many times I have parents come into my office and Mike Howington and I talk about this all the time, how parents will come in our office and they'll say, I need help. I need help. My, my child is rebellious. My child is doing things that sh he or she shouldn't do. I, I've lost them. I, I don't know what to do. And I've got five. And as they're sitting across the, I'm thinking, dear Lord, help me. I've got to raise five. We're not immune. We're not immune to that. But, but what I do notice is Mike Howington said, to me, I was sitting there, I didn't know what to say to the family. It was a terrible situation. I, I mean, I, I was just going to do the pastor thing. I, well, I'm going to pray for you and say a prayer. And, and Mike said something very profound in that moment to those parents. And what he said was, and I've used this before, you don't go plant the garden when it starts raining. Because see, this person had other children. What he was saying was, you need to get those seeds in the ground as early as you can and make sure it's watered and fertilized all the time because you don't have time to bolster and instill faith in your child in a moment of crisis. We've got to learn to use the phone for our children, for our teenagers, for each other as a community of faith. So faith is for the journey. Second, faith is for the destination. I think I'm going to know where I am whenever I go uh, to heaven. I'm not going to need a sign, right, that says you have arrived at heaven. This is where you are. It's like the mall queue where you go up and you see uh, where all the stores all are and it gives you that little red dot, you are here. I'm not going to need that. I'm not going to be in this place saying, where am I? Because faith is for the destination. It is to prepare us for where we're going. Can you believe that? It's not just to get saved and to say yes to Christ and then let you get in. Faith is preparing you for eternity of singing and worshiping and serving and feasting at the heavenly banquet. So why would we not want that faith for the journey and for the destination to be built up inside of us as we are in this life. I can remember there was a moment um, where a, a man, a parishioner at a former church came to me and he was, uh, his wife came to church quite often, but he, he just didn't, he was active. If we needed him, he was there. Uh, if we were doing a men's club project or a mission trip, he was there, uh, but he just didn't like coming to church. He did not like coming to church. And, and he'd tell me all the time, and some of y'all have told me this, so I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes a little bit. My church is sitting outside and, doing the, and, and seeing nature. That's my church. That's whenever I feel closest to God. I don't doubt it. You know where my favorite place is whenever I'm not with you guys? Sitting on some body of water just staring at it. I think I've told you all that before. If I've had a hard day, you can find me at the dam of Grenada Lake staring at the water. It's just something about it, the vastness of it, the, the beauty of it, for me just to reflect on who God is. But what this man didn't realize was, yes, that may be where you feel closest to God, but God didn't just say on this journey 
you have to be just close to me. He said, you've got to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor. See, part of the faith in building up in us how we use the phone is not just how we worship God and how we interact with his presence in our life. It may be sitting in a deer stand. It may be sitting on a boat. It may be on the golf course. It may be wherever. But God called us to be a community of faith. It's interesting that, that he sends the community of faith away at Jairus' house, though, isn't it? In that moment, the community of faith has already showed up. They're loving on their rabbi. They're loving on their family member. They're loving on their friend because the little girl has died. Notice the community there. This gentleman I was telling you about got into some serious trouble. And he came to me and he said, I just wish I would have come and made more friends in the church. Because who I thought my friends were, my business partners, they're not my friends anymore. So when you are looking at your life, faith is for the journey, is for the destination, but it's to be experienced with each other. It's to be experienced not just in the presence of God, but also with each other. Let's look at this text a little bit closer. Whenever this lady that has had the issue of hemorrhaging for 12 years comes up. What we suspect is that she's probably suffered from this most of her adult life, which means that she wasn't able to have children. She wasn't able to get married. She wasn't able to attend worship services or even make sacrifice in the Jewish synagogue because in the Jewish faith, she was considered unclean. And if anyone touched her or if she touched them, they also were considered unclean. And in Jewish rituals, there was an extensive process for her to become clean. And you must be clean. You know all the cl cleansing rituals that you see in the text. In Leviticus, even the, the priests, I mean the rabbis that would come and the high priests that offer sacrifices, they would have to wash their hands in a certain way. This woman has been robbed of community. And in desperation, she reaches out and grabs Jesus' robe. Now I want you to think why she was nervous whenever Jesus said, who touched my robe? Have you ever read it like that and noticed that she comes before him trembling and she confesses all to him is what the literal text says. Because everyone she had bumped into, she had made unclean. And in Jewish faith, there was nothing worse than that. In desperation, she had made Jesus seemingly unclean by touching his robe. Jesus doesn't immediately say, you're unclean and now I am unclean because you touched me. What does he say? Daughter, you have been healed because of your faith. She's given life out of this. You see, faith is for the journey because it gives us life. This woman was able to go and be with the community. She could go to church. She could go to the market. She could get married. She could then now have children. 
all because of her desperate attempt and to see Jesus' eyes and in fear of judgment, instead she got love and healing. For 12 years she suffered. It's not a coincidence that the little girl, Jairus' daughter, as Amy said in the children's sermon, I'm sure Jairus had done everything he could to try to figure it out. And this Jewish rabbi is going to this prophet he's heard about, risking it all. You know how the leaders, the Jewish leaders, saw Jesus. A lot of them did not agree with him. He was risking his position and his place, and there's no parent here in this sanctuary that wouldn't do the same for any of their children. And Jesus says to him, have faith, just calm down. It's gonna be okay. And he walks in, and how old was the little girl? She was 12 years old. You see, this story is booked together to show you that Jesus is here to give life through these miracles. And he's giving these miracles as a sign of faith, to increase the faith and because of faith, so that the people would see, I didn't come here to do these rituals that have no meaning anymore. I came here to show you who I am and who you are, daughter, son, get up. Your faith has healed you. There's another time that Jesus talks about faith. He says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, get up and move. Whenever he says that, he is pointing to Herod's palace that he is building. Herod was removing a mountain. He was taking the top off of a mountain so he could build his palace on top. And whenever he's saying that to those people, what he's saying is, if you even have just this much faith, you could say to the mountain, move, and it'll move. You don't have to have thousands of people to dig it up and move it. So my question for you, church, is what is your mountain? We all have one. We all are going to have one. How are you on the journey in building your faith, increasing your hope, believing and following Christ? And how are you preparing for the destination? May faith increase in your life, in my life, as we grow and go deeper as a congregation. Let us pray. Holy God, I ask that you would come and be with us this morning. Sometimes we granted our need for faith until we need you. So God, we ask that you would help us to go deeper. Lord, that we would put our life and trust in you. Lord, that we would abide in you and that we would be able to bear fruit and fruit abundantly. Bless this community of faith. Lord, we ask that you would anoint us. We would not only increase our faith in you for our own benefit, but it would be increased so that we could benefit each other and become stronger as a body of Christ. Lord, be with us as we come to this table and that we taste and see that you are good, that we're renewed, that we are forgiven, that we are the redeemed, and you have called us sons and daughters. May we claim that today in your name. Amen.